Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to Call of Discovery, the podcast where we go absolutely bananas for Keyforge, for its community, and for the excitement of discovery. I am your host, Ed Pocock, and joining us today, as always, some call him the mightiest of all of the Archons, it's Zach Armstrong. Hey, Zach. Hello there, Ed. So is it true? Are you the mightiest of all the Archons? Well, Ed, I, I hate to have to admit this unexpectedly on the podcast, but yes, I am the mightiest of all the Archons uh, if the kitchen is the battlefield. If the kitchen is the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, recipe, recipes for days. <laughs> Sounds like a recipe for a disaster. <laughs> to face me in the kitchen, yes, yes. Just add one you, add one me, and then disaster. <laughs> And talking of recipes, we have the recipe for a very, very good interview today, as we have one of our very own patrons on, Kate, uh, you might know her better as Muffins. She is going to be talking to us today about keeping the community together during the lockdown. Hello, Kate. Great to have you on. Hi, thanks for having me. You're very, very welcome. It's great to have you. Before we dive into our main topic, uh, long-time listeners of the show will know that we, first of all, like to get to know our guests just a little bit better. So, Kate, tell us a bit about yourself and and how you discovered Keyforge. I started playing during the pre-release. Before that, I was playing the Legend of the Five Rings LCG. Um, Not very well. Uh, very badly kind of not full-timing it. So I'd just go to our weekly events and get wrecked every single time. But we chat, and some of the guys there mentioned the new Richard Garfield game that was coming out. Um, and they were like kind of saying, it's either going to be the best thing ever or the worst thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> so it piqued my interest. Um, so when there was a, a pre-release event in Huddersfield, which is about um, 20 miles away, uh, we kind of made a, a spur of the moment decision to go. Um, so I got my first deck there. Uh, I started going to my local shop, which is Geek Retreat Leads to play. And I've been playing since then. Awesome, awesome. And Keyforge Legend of the Five Rings, I understand, are almost two opposite of the card game world in, in that Legend of the Five Rings, I understand, is a very, very long and drawn out game. So it must have been very different for you coming from one to the other. It actually was. Um, I think one of the things that I struggled with initially with Keyforge is that in the Legend of the Five Rings card game, you can only play a card if you can do absolutely everything on the card. So when I was playing Keyforge and I had a card that said destroy a creature, I was like, oh, no, 
I don't have a creature, so I can't play this. But then mm. everyone else was like, why didn't you do that? You can just do the rest of the card. And that was really jarring. But kind of prefer the pacing and the play style that you get in Keyforge. Because as you say, Legends of Five Rings, it's a very drawn out game. It's almost a game where you just have to be extremely conservative about what you're doing. You've got to... Um, make sure that you're keeping all of your resources available. You're not expending too much. Um, you're not overextending. Um, and it, it does just take forever. So it's it's a really nice change of pace going to Keyforge. And did you notice many differences between the Keyforge community and the L5R community? Or did most of the L5R community come across to Keyforge? Um, actually, none of the people I were playing L5R with uh, decided to play Keyforge. I think that the reasons they were getting into it um, were kind of the, the law background, but also the deck building and the, mm. the story and the flavor of, okay, I've picked my clan. I'm going to watch this clan mm. develop and make sure that I'm doing interesting strategies based off that. Whereas mm-hmm. I always net decked and I hated deck construction. It just was something I never got good at. Um, it was something you had to heavily invest in the game uh, in order to do and um it, <laughs> i was kind of went into it thinking okay well i can spend an hour building a deck or i could play two games of carcassonne and i would probably enjoy playing carcassonne more <laughs> so uh, sure sure yeah it's a great game it's a great game yeah I've, i played um a lot of board games as well and i never kind of played a lifestyle game before i started playing legend of the five rings um, and I still play all those board games, but you can actually manage a keyboard addiction and having other hobbies at the same time, whereas I didn't feel that was the case with Legends of the Five Rings. Yes, yeah. FFG has a, has a track record with a few of its living card games like L5R that they are... Uh, you have what you have that one large living card game hobby and then maybe something else you do. It's it's a lot to, to dive all the way in uh, to those. But what was your experience like at that pre-release event? I got to attend one in California. So what was yours like? There were quite there's quite a decent amount of people there. Um, I had a, a really good time. We got some of those pin badges, um, and I really enjoyed the deck that I had. Um, I went with two friends. Uh, one of them plays periodically. One of them decided he didn't like it, uh, which is fine. I guess he can be wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, the pre-release event, there were a decent amount of people there, and it was a good time. And you're you're a big fan of board games in in general. So, for those of you listening to this podcast in the future, this is taking place during the dystopian times of 2020, where the the world is subverted and in lockdown. So, so Kate, what have you been playing during lockdown? Has anything been keeping you busy? Uh, so, thankfully, before the lockdown came into effect, I went to Aircon uh, in Harrogate, which is a big board gaming convention. Uh, so I picked up a few games there that I've been playing. Um, one of them, a game I've been looking for for a very long time called Wombat Rescue, which is like oh, a weird, wow. it's a weird pickup and delivery game where instead of like laying train tracks, you're laying poop cubes and then the wombats can like zoom along the poop cube trail. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. And it's really cute. Wow. Um, and you've been on the hunt for this game for a while? Yeah. Um, I saw someone talk about it on Board Game Geek and I was like, Wombat Rescue? It's scientifically accurate. 
wow. Uh, <laughs> so, so, and I was just like, it's quite, it was quite hard to find in the UK. And I think just for the novelty of it, I really wanted to get it. Um, so yeah, we played it. It's a decent game. It's all right. I would play wow, it again. Wow, sounds awesome. <laughs> Wow. Uh, so I just want to say hello and welcome to Call of the Wombat, a key, uh, podcast all about wombat rescue and its community. Today we have and Kate. And poop trails. And poop trails. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and that's the tagline for the game. Oh, uh, well, we, uh, we really need to bring this episode out of the toilet now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, Kate, I know Keyforge has an unfortunate lack of wombats and poop cubes. So what has kept you with Keyforge for this long? I'm honestly thinking about getting out just so I can play a game with poop cubes because Keyforge, just amber, no poop cubes. It's really it's pretty disappointing to me. <laughs> it's very underwhelming. Um, I think the the thing that keeps me coming back to Keyforge is that every time you can pick up a new deck, it's different play style. It's a different strategy. And the way that you always have two unique decks with unique play styles interacting in different ways is really interesting and it does keep it really fresh. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if going back to Legend of the Five Rings, you know, you'd have your kind of clan archetypes and you'd net deck and get whatever was going well at the time uh, and you play those same matchups over and over again, whereas um, I've got, you know, a decent number of decks and they all play slightly differently. Um, I think one of the ones that I got recently that I really love is a uh, uh, it's a screaming cave, um, which is an artifact that lets you discard all the cards in your hand um, with two battle fleets and a key abduction. So Ooh. yeah, so it, it's plays wow. in a really really strange way where you're just kind of milling through your deck for the discards. There's a, a library of a damned in there that lets you archive a card at the same time. So you mill, uh, archive the battle fleets and the key abduction, and you just keep going round and round and round. And I've never had a deck like that before. Um, wow. It plays in such a strange way. Um, so, you know, it's the fact that you can have stuff like that and have it be kind of valid and workable that, that keeps me really interested in the game. It's it's true. I have found so many decks in my collection that uh, some are, you know, many are fairly standard, but it is pretty common to, as soon as you dig into a deck, find that it really hums in a specific way. Uh, I remember diving into my first Soul Snatcher deck, the artifact that says, anytime a creature dies, its controller loses an amber, and it's just filled with one to three power, really powerful little creatures that the opponent has to kill. That deck, I will often actually use the punch from Brabnar to blow up my own creatures just to get to check. And it's just so wacky. And yeah, it's special like your battle fleet, uh, like your battle fleet screaming cave deck. It's special because like we didn't build those decks. We found them and, and it takes that really specific combination of cards for them to be special. So that's, yeah, that's awesome. I agree. I agree. But it, but it also takes a really good pilot to take that from, you know, we found this deck and we opened it to actually understanding and unlocking the power within it. 
so Kate, around about nine months a year ago, uh, Keyforge time seems seems loose. I think in the crucible, time is time is an abstract construct. But uh, I became aware of of these events going on in the north with all kinds of different themes and flavors and and all sorts of different things to them. And I must say, we in London did get a little bit jealous about what was going on in the in the UK with with these events. So. So, Kate, we've since found out that you are the one behind these events. So tell us a little bit more about them and really that step where you went from playing Keyforge to organising events for it. My local game store, uh, Geek Retreat Leads, uh, the manager there is kind of really receptive to new ideas and new communities and whatever events people want to run, he is really happy to facilitate them. Um, I'm actually an ex-member of staff from there, so I used to work there um, from when it opened to a few months later. Um, so I know the, the staff there reasonably well, and they're quite happy for me to take a lead on organising things. So uh, after I went to the Eindhoven Vault Tour, so that was March, March last year, uh, I started... Uh, organizing events and getting involved in a community one of my friends had made called Keyforge Leads. I tend to do this thing where I really like organizing things and I find that you know you have that one person in your group of friends who ends up organizing everything or else nothing happens. It's always me. I um, started trying to promote the community and grow it and kind of increase engagement um, on social media and ended up kind of uh, going from having this one community and organizing events to uh, helping set up a local team, Team Archimedes, um, entering online tournaments with that. And it's all kind of we just want people to know that we've got a community and they can come down to Geek Retreat Leads and play. We had lots of different events and I like to do things by consensus. So I always go, hey, guys, what do you want to do? Um, this is what we can do. Uh, let me know if you have any ideas or what your preferences are. When it came down to sort of Christmas time and everything was winding down and people were um, going off to different places, uh, we started saying, OK, you know what? We're going to, instead of having a regular Archon solo, we're going to put weird constraints on it. Uh, so one of the constraints we had was that the Archon card needed to have a nickname on it in quotation marks. Um, and we just tried weird stuff out like that and see if they worked. Um, we did uh, a few different things. So we did a sealed triad, but all three decks were from different sets. But just all of these ways to keep it varied and keep it interesting and these kind of things I think are very key for the idea that you pick a deck based on based on its nickname or uh, based on other other factors. I, I really like that idea and I think having that maybe means that it keeps people coming back and keeps the local community more engaged than maybe just Archon Solo where you have the same people winning every week. So, I mean, how did you find that? Did you find that uh, more people were, were coming in and willing to try out the game? Or do you think that putting these these uh, weird and wonderful restrictions on, on these weekly events maybe increased the barrier to entry? What was what was your What was your experience there? So I think actually that month, um, 
you know, I think it was October. I think it was the month before World Collide came out and we were getting a little bit um, uh, tired of, of Call of the Archons and Age of Ascension. Um, mm. But actually we found at that point uh, attendance was kind of dropping off anyway. So we have um, the people who are in Team Archimedes. So there's six of us and we're like the core play group. And we yeah. have um, kind of uh, four, six, eight other people who um, come in when they don't have a D&D game, for example. So we found that it was just kind of um, the Archimedes people who were coming anyway. So we, we tried it. It was an experiment. I don't know how successful it was. But after that, we kind of moved on to World Collide and it picked up a little bit. I say this because I'm sure that it must have had a positive impact in in some way, shape or form. Certainly, I know for myself, uh, give me a zany, weird deck building restriction or you can only bring X deck or something a bit different. And and I am definitely there at that event. So, yeah, it sounds sounds really exciting. But I believe you also had different themes. And were there a few events where people were dressing up in different ways and uh, food and refreshments were served and all sorts of things? Yeah. Uh, so we did a World Collide launch party on the Saturday after it came out. So I think it was the Saturday, the 8th of November. Um, and we kind of wanted to go all out. So uh, we booked the back room in uh, Geek Retreat Leeds. So we had kind of our own space. Uh, we put up bunting. Uh, we made cakes. We had a, a learn to play kind of dedicated zone um, with uh kind of we've got a a box that i started in geek retreat leads it's our library box um we've been kind of flip-flopping between calling it the library of the damned and library access uh because it tends to be where the <laughs> X we don't want go to die um, <laughs> um set up so there's like 30 decks in there there's two uh full rule books there's two play mats and um sets of tokens so anyone who wants to come in and just jump in can there's absolutely no barrier to entry um there so we did have a few people come and try the game out um, we did a big sealed event. Um, I think we had uh, 22 people play in the sealed tournament and then probably 28, 30 people come to the event overall, which was like really big for us. If I'm going to have an event, make it an event. You know, don't just say, um, OK, we're going to show up and do this thing, I guess. Like, it's a launch party. It's going to be a party. There's going to be cake. Um, <laughs> uh, and just try and uh, you know have fun with it and try and get people involved. That's that's awesome. Uh, that's awesome. I love the idea of actually making it more of an event than just playing Keyforge, even though that's what it's about with the decorations and the cake. And that really that really makes it about the community too, right? Like when you and other people organize it to put it on, people go in there and see, wow, they were really intentional. They really like, this is a place where we can come and have a good time with it. And uh, so a, a practical question for those like myself who might want to, you know, capitalize on an idea when we're out of quarantine here, how did, uh, how did you get the word out about that? Like what kind of things do you say about it that got everybody there? Uh, so I think one of the Great things about the UK community, um, especially the northern community, is that we're all quite close-knit anyway. So I go to Sheffield, I go to Manchester. Um, we're all in contact with each other. So I basically said to the people that I knew in those places, uh, we're going to have a launch event. 
does it clash with anything you're doing? No, great, please come over. We'll come to your event as well. Um, we, we do make sure that we kind of, we were advertising each other's events anyway. Um, and I said, okay, there's going to be a cosplay competition. Uh, we're going to have cake. We're going to have bunting and decorations uh, and stuff. Uh, please come along. The main thing was kind of the word of mouth and the network that we've kind of built up between our uh, communities that are close together. Wow. Wow. That's great. That's a, that's a great idea, especially depending on, you know, your city or area for anybody else who wants to do this sort of thing, making sure you're getting in touch with those people who are, you know, within reasonable driving distance. I know I've got one major city nearby and lots of people who are, are, are good friends who play Keyforge there. And uh, I do know there's a few other communities within maybe about, there's maybe at least one other community inside of two hours uh, from me. So I think that's great advice for anybody to kind of model that and reach out to those other community people and say, Hey, we want to do this event. Like, you know, can we, can we get your people there? That's awesome. Uh, a good move. And that really shows the strength of the Keyforge community, I think. And that is how Keyforge really is that coming together of people who have a shared love of something. And if you can have a bit of a celebration and a bit of a party around that, I imagine it creates such a welcoming atmosphere for newer players. Certainly for, for myself, looking at the, the event, the leaflets looked professional. It looked super clear what was happening and what people could expect. And I think that's a really important thing for getting people out and at an event as well. It's, yeah, do people know what to expect? And for newer players, do they know that they're going to feel comfortable there? So, Kate, I, w with regards to that, you've mentioned having this this box of decks that people can just pick up and play. What factors have you seen as really important in keeping things you know, approachable for those newer players and making sure that new players can maybe feel at home when they get to events? Outside of the game, one of the important things is just to... Um, if someone new joins, say, hi, I'm Kate. Nice to meet you. Have you met these other guys? These are local players. Um, what's your name? How did you get involved with it? That sort of thing. Just kind of um, building up a social connection. Because the worst thing is you walk into a shop and say, um, look around for the Keyforge people and you approach them and nothing happens. Yeah, that's really important. Um, but as well, if we have newer players, um, we've got um, a few who picked up the game recently. We always make sure that we're kind of coaching them and we're being lenient. We're letting them have take backs. Uh, we're letting them reorder things if we think that they've missed something. And we try to ensure that they're gaining every time that they join us and they are having a good time, even though they might not be performing well i guess like they they may be going oh free but they're having a good time yeah yeah i think that's really important Certainly. and if people feel it's too too competitive then they they might be having a bit of a bad time certainly yeah i i'm not a heavily competitive individual i think that may come across on the podcast here a little bit it is purely about that discovery element for me so when something is super competitive it can feel a little bit uncomfortable but of course you know everyone wants to win but having that sort of overriding feeling of togetherness and, and community is is super super important mm -hmm. so kate we are we're currently in this lockdown period but 
Is there anything you're really looking forward to trying out when it comes to event organizing once we're all free to free to fly where we choose Ooh. again? So um, before the lockdown, we'd managed to submit a, a prime championship application for Geek Retreat Leeds. That was something I was really looking forward to. I don't All know if we're going to be back in time for having a prime championship. Um, <laughs> Fingers crossed. I've kind of forgotten that any of these events exist at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> we were, the weekend that the lockdown came into effect, we were literally going to drive to Stoke-on-Trent to play in a store championship, but it got cancelled. Mm. Uh, so we were like we were still kind of like okay we know that there's a global pandemic but Keyforge, uh, <laughs> yeah um like right up until the the very last second i think with the new set coming out i was really looking forward to well we weren't going to have a launch party because it was going to get launched at uk games expo I think that with Expo being postponed and then cancelled, there was then going to be more of a chance that we would have a mass mutation launch party, like the Worlds Collide launch party that we had. Um, so potentially uh, that, um, if, if I can do that, um, I'll be really happy to. Uh, I think there's lots of scope for kind of Godzilla crossovers with Deosilus and other stuff. So it could be really, really fun. Yes, those dinosaur costumes. Mm -hmm. You know, the ones you see on, on social media with the T-Rex doing funny things. Yeah, <laughs> we almost got one. Um, but then we decided oh, no that way. £60 was a bit too much for one day. Uh, if we knew that we were going to get repeat value out of it, we probably would have been more inclined to. And uh, how have you found... Uh, how have you found ways to keep everybody connected while uh most people have to stay at home i mean maybe they're an essential worker and have to go out but have you kept everybody connected while they're not at the at the store with uh, events and communicating so with um the play group that we have at geek retreat leads we have a whatsapp group anyway so we were always communicating with each other on whatsapp um the facebook group i tried to keep it updated with different things that's happening uh our twitter feed as well you know anytime i listen to a, um, a really good podcast episode like call of discoveries um <laughs> who are they i haven't uh, heard of them <laughs> tell me more so, yeah like i listened to um the podcast with z i was like yeah this is really good content i'm gonna retweet this um and try and keep people engaged in as many different ways as possible um but then also there's kind of i know that i'm in a household where i don't really have anyone to play against it's not the case for everyone in our community but it is the case for a lot of us so mm. ensuring that we were able to play online and still kind of keep involved with the game was really important yeah i'd say so i'd say so too i have a few discords i'm a member of that are on the chattier end for keyforge and it is it is quite nice to be able to have those live conversations even if they're just over text with people about keyforge especially for those of us taking the deep dive into the mass mutation spoilers that's been that's been a lifeline for me as far as feeling connected definitely indeed i'm one of the lucky ones that 
I play more keyforge with my partner than than anyone else. So it's it's nice to have that. It's very much kitchen table keyforge, but we we enjoy it. And I think she's probably got more than a fifty percent win rate against me this year. So <laughs> so I'm certainly uh, certainly I, I'm kept on my toes for sure. I think one of the benefits actually of the lockdown is that we might see more female players join the scene, just because mm. so many people have been forced to get their partners involved in playing with them. <laughs> I think yes. that might be really good, actually. Uh, switching topics a bit on a dime here, we know that the uh, card games in general, for a number of unfair reasons, have not had a lot of women participating in them. And Keyforge, fortunately, seems to be more inviting for people in general. But of course, you know, these things aren't over. We still don't have, you know, 50% men, 50% women playing in these games. So what advice as a community organizer would you give to other community organizers who want to make sure that their playgroups are inviting to to women in, his, in places that have historically not been? So I think one of the most important things for um, a playgroup or um, a shop or management to have is a a zero tolerance policy to any kind of um, issues that may crop up. Um, I'm quite fortunate in that I haven't experienced a lot of negative behavior based on my gender. but I know that several of the women I know who play Keyforge have, for example, given like uh, rule clarifications. And then instead mm. of the person they're playing against taking their word for it, they've gone to a man who's told them exactly the same thing. Yes. Um, mm. I have um, a friend who is a tournament organizer in Nottingham. And she has uh, not had an issue in a Keyforge um community but has gone to pokemon events because she's a tournament organizer for that as well uh where she sat down um to play and the person who's facing her has kind of gone this is gonna be an easy win like not explicitly said it but you know acted in such a way um that they were expecting her to be a pushover Mm. so if you're getting that kind of behavior sometimes it's really hard to like actually quantify it it's just a uh kind of a general atmosphere and if you haven't got one kind of explicit uh instance to point to uh it's really hard to get any kind of action on it Mm. so i think a lot of the um i know um geek retreat leads a lot of the staff are female anyway and they kind of grok it a little bit faster if anything untoward is happening sure sure it's not easy to figure out exactly what the best way of recruiting women is because i've tried um one of the things i I researched um trying to hammer out an approach uh to recruiting more female players uh was that i looked into the lady planeswalker society i think it's called uh and it's like a network of female oriented playgroups for magic the gathering Uh, that's been going for years and years and years. And I was trying to research into how they started, how they market themselves, uh, how it can be replicated. Um, But unfortunately, I think the player base for Keyforge isn't big enough yet to replicate that that kind of approach Mm. where um, they were making, okay, we're going to have a ladies games night, like no boys allowed, uh, <laughs> ring. we're going to meet at this time we're going to meet every week uh, and then uh, it was kind of like an approach like Steve Broder 
uh, discussed when he was talking about growing a London community where uh, someone it makes sure that they're there um, every week at the appointed time until some people show up. Yes. Um, but mm. it, I think that the player base for Keyforge is just so small that you're basically not going to get anyone showing up because they're just not there. It's, it's really difficult um, to figure out what the best approach is when that's mm. the case. I know that there's several uh, communities in the UK which do have uh, a number of female players. So there's quite a few in Nottingham. There's quite a few in Preston. Aside from going on recruitment drives, and it's hard. It's not easy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There is like a, a Facebook group called SheForge, and that is the um, the female players oriented. Um, community um but even that's a small community and it is difficult to make links with people who are geographically close to you just because it's such a small group right Um, right and as well it's not easy to promote it i think that the last time i was kind of like okay let's make people aware of she forge because it's a great group filled with lovely people um there was kind of the typical backlash oh where's my man's key forge group oh, oh if women are as good as men then why do they need their own group sort of thing um so i, I think there's still like a, not a lot of understanding of why these equality issues are important or sure. why we would want more women in the community uh but yeah, it's 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 a big struggle to be honest. And if anyone's got any suggestions, just please DM me on Discord because I I've, I've got no idea, and I do want more women to play KeyForge. Yeah, Kate, I think, but I think you did to to give you some credit here. I think you know we have you have laid down some some good groundwork that will you know help people feel invited, especially you know if they are a female with um just you know those uh games that are you know zero barrier to entry games and but mostly just having your organizers just aware of it right aware that that's a thing aware that you know a woman can feel unwelcome just by subtle things people are doing they might not even realize they're doing because you know she's a woman um you know, as far in my experience has been the sometimes the the best you can do if you can't you know call somebody out specifically. Um, and I do hope that uh, uh, she forge grows and that the the future founder of the Ladies Archon Society uh, is listening to this at some point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, it would be so great to have something like that um, grow a little bit more. I think it was something that I really wanted to. Um, kind of engage with the world championships um, and meet a load of the people who are on that group. Um, I think personally, one of the things that I've been trying to do is be more visible as a person in this hobby um, of playing Keyforge. Um, So I've done stuff like um, posted selfies, like, okay, I'm clearly female and I've got a Keyforge deck, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, and then as well, I made a really big kind of concerted effort to go on the stream uh, at the UK Grand Championships, just so yeah. you know someone can say, "Oh, there's a woman on the Keyforge stream playing and at a high level and doing well." Spoilers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, 
and I, I have to say, Kate, in, in the U.S. military over here, they give medals for bravery and things. And, well, I don't think you've seen combat unless there's things I don't know about you. Uh, you just admitted to being a, a woman who willingly made themselves more visible on the Internet to inspire other women and normalize it. So um, I think Call of Discovery will have to come up with some inaugural medal, medal for you there. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And when we offer people the Call of Discovery compass, it does definitely exist. And uh, listeners will, should, should know that. And it's, a, it's a very valuable item. In fact, it's absolutely priceless. Yes, the, the golden compass, which is going to be my way of getting Philip Pullman to send us an angry email. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll get his lawyers sending us an email if we're, <laughs> if we're not if we're not careful. But yeah, Kate. I mean, ultimately, we go to these events, don't we, to feel comfortable, to feel welcome, to have fun. And you're not going to have fun if you're belittled, if you're made to feel yeah, if you're if you're made to feel bad uh, either through someone else's meaningful actions or even actions they didn't mean to do. So. I think you're, yeah, this no tolerance policy has to be the way forward. And I'm, and then in turn, that has to be built on, on awareness and, and understanding of, (laughs) of just fellow people that, you know, love this hobby. And yeah, it's, I'm sad that these things still have to be experienced. It's interesting to me because I've introduced loads of people to Keyforge and people that don't really play many games, but maybe appreciate board games. And it's certainly been my perception that really Keyforge is a game that people that play board games do play and they enjoy. And maybe the gender balance there is a lot more even, but it's making that jump. And it seems to be easier for men to make that jump and join an organized play event than, than it is for women. And Sadly, that must be due to, I, I'm sure it's a whole host of reasons, but it must be due to accessibility for men is, is maybe easier. Well, I, it, it makes sense. You know, I've, I've seen it happen. So I've, I've been on the SheForge group for a while and every now and then you get a post along the lines of, oh, I really want to go to a Chainbound event, but I don't feel confident enough to do it. Uh, and there's nobody who will go with me. So it's kind of... Uh, expectation that you have to be performing at a certain level in order to participate um i think that women are uh in these types of hobbies are more likely to be criticized for misplays than their male counterparts um to the point where um several female players i know have said that they would never go on an event stream because they feel like um the Mm that they would receive online would be excessive and sure um would be really difficult to deal with um it's just not easy at all and it's not even something that you can point to one example of it and say okay this is this is why uh female players um feel not confident enough to be able to participate at this level. It's just a, a general atmosphere of yes miasma. I think people are almost expecting to get treated badly, and you know some women who I, I think that I don't get targeted as much because I pass as a nerd, but. I know that a lot of, of female players may not like it is a general kind of nerd geek culture 
gatekeeping sort of issue um, at the end of the day where you if you're female you have to look and behave in a certain way in order to be taken seriously Mm -hmm. um and it tends to be that the women who have more issues are the women who uh don't look like nerds Mm, um which is like really unfair because i know for sure if i'm going to a big event i want to look great i don't want to necessarily stick on my uh uh dota 2 t-shirt and a pair of jeans and just go with it um but i know that as soon as say i present more feminine or present more um kind of smart like in a, a smart kind of business dress sort of way the less likely i am uh to be taken seriously mm. as a as a gamer um, and it happens on all sorts of platforms. So it's it's really difficult to pinpoint and say, oh, this is a problem for LGSs or this is a problem for online gaming. It happens kind of across all kind of hobbies um, that are of this kind of type. But yeah, it's, it's just a difficult situation. It's really hard to find a, a reason or a method to solve it. And this is a real shame for the game uh, as well as for, for everyone that plays it and is, is a real, real challenge. In today's world, I mean, we should, we, should, we should hope to expect that the board game hobby is big enough that really anyone can enjoy it and that you don't have to be a label to appreciate the game or to, you know, to, to have as much fun with the game or to be just as valid as a player of the game as anyone else. Um, so it's it's a challenge for the game's growth mm-hmm. um, that that it's 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 not it's not the case so far and it's really sad. Um, I yeah. hope I hope that in future months and years your your experiences here and the experiences of of women and maybe anyone that doesn't fit that nerd label um, have yeah get things improve. Yeah, it's just it is strange because the split in board gaming events seems to be fifty fifty. Um, it's just converting uh, people who want to play board games casually into a competitive setting that's difficult. True. That's true. Now, speaking of competitive settings, Kate, I have uh, heard, as far as competition goes, that you have pulled off the feet of downing a bottle of red wine and then going 4-0 at a weekly <laughs> event. Is there any truth to the legend? I have done that successfully. <laughs> Um, yeah. And by downing here, are we talking, you know, the whole bottle of wine in one? Because this is entirely a different feat and might have landed up with uh, an accident and emergency incident. <laughs> um, I think I finished the bottle in the first, like, I think I started it uh, about 15 minutes before the tournament started and then finished it halfway through the event. Oh, wow. Um, That's I didn't still really pretty doubt quick. it. I think it took me an hour, an hour and a quarter, something like that. Um, and, yeah, managed to win all my games. It was it was strange. <laughs> <laughs> so and I definitely for... wasn't the best deck. Sure. Well, that's impressive. And for the visitors from the future, uh, I believe, Kate, correct me if I'm wrong, this has happened in quarantine, so this was an online an online uh, competition. Yeah, so um, nobody, I didn't look weird uh, drinking a whole bottle of wine in my LGS. Like, we've got a nice little community of people online now to play games with, and we do have, uh, it's something that we had from 
our real life events, but we would have uh, a pub meeting beforehand where we'd grab dinner uh, and get a drink. And it'd usually be me and one other person, but we call it our pre-forged drinks. Um, so we have like a pre-forged uh, channel now on our Discord where people can post pictures of their drinks and we get like people posting their gin and uh, cider and beer and stuff. And it's a bit like having a virtual pub, but kind of not really. But, you know, we're still keeping the pre-forge alive. Excellent. What a great tradition. Every good event and every good tradition needs a, a pun name. So I appreciate that. So with the onset of the lockdown, taking all of these traditions and throwing them ostensibly out the window for a short period of time, you've really taken on a role for, for the rest of the UK as well and pulled together a discord, which is bringing, bringing these communities together during lockdown. And so what was, your, what was the impetus behind this and, uh, and what was your, your aim with this? Initially, the Discord server was Team Archimedes Discord server. Um, and I just started adding people that I knew to it uh, when lockdown started. The goal was like to try and, you know, keep in touch and get some games going um, during lockdown. But we kind of we kept having more and more people join. And we kind of started um, recruiting by word of mouth in all of these different communities that uh, I kind of was aware of. And we started um, running a leaderboard um, online with weekly tournaments. Um, the goal of which was like just to kind of keep people engaged, but also to replace the weekly events that we would be having at our LGSs and paying in funds and buying their stock. Um, because at that point when we started, um, businesses in the UK weren't officially told to close by the government. So they were still staying open, but everyone was told not to go in them, uh, which put them in a really precarious financial position. So I wanted to try and do something where people would still be able to contribute to their local game stores and make sure that they had a place to play Keyforge when the lockdown ended. So um, I tried to kind of, get in touch with the person that I knew was like the organizer uh, or the most organized person in that community um, to see if they put something together for their local communities, their local shops. Um, so I'd be running a tournament that's free to enter, but people who belong to different communities would be contributing in different ways to their own prize pools. From my perspective, I was managing the Leeds playgroup contributions so our regular buy-in for an archon would be uh three pounds per person and then one deck in the pool for every three players i said okay uh we're gonna do this leaderboard we're gonna run it for eight weeks because i did my maths wrong <laughs> and thought that the lockdown was just gonna last eight weeks and said okay every time you play online put three pounds to the side when the leaderboard is over We'll get everything in a pot and we'll divvy it out according to this list that I've just made up. So I made up like first place, 25% of the pot, second place, 20% of the pot, etc, etc, etc. Part of it was keep the leads group together so that I personally have a place to go back to uh, when the lockdown ends. 
keep the LDS open so that we have tables to play on, engage more with the wider community at large, because I, I genuinely do think that the UK community is one of the best Keyforge communities in the world. We have a big community, yeah. Oh, of the, the local teams, I just love the local teams. Um, <laughs> I love that everyone has like an identity and they'll go to an event and they've got their, uh, their T-shirts and their play mats and there's kind of a bit of local banter between them. Uh, and rivalry, yeah. Oh, I'm that, green with jealousy over here. <laughs> oh, it's so good. If nothing else, if the local team kind of scene died in lockdown it would make me really, really unhappy. So um, I still wanted people to be representing their teams and um, having that that banter and still being able to compete with each other. So as there was a lot of, of different factors that led into it. Yeah, and it seems to have been really, really successful in terms of engagement. I think it's really important that people have got a place to play and a place to have that community feeling. As you mentioned earlier, Kate, you know, not all of us have partners to play with at home. So having that opening is super important, particularly during a lockdown where I think for everyone, all of our mental health is is under some pressure. Yeah, having that community there, is there anything that's really kind of particularly surprised you since pulling together this Discord so genuinely thought when i was gonna start running these events that people were gonna turn around and say oh this is awful it could have been run much better here's my feedback but actually everyone's been incredibly positive really supportive and you know i get i get pms with people thanking me um for running the events it's something that they look forward to doing and you know people want to contribute prizes and stuff to keep the event going uh, I think that's that's really surprised me. I thought I'd be uh, getting a lot more constructive criticism about it. <laughs> it's awesome that people have got a place to play and, and feel at home and kind of keep that routine and keep as many real normal life traditions as they can. Um, even better, really, that people can interact with 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 others that might be a little bit further away the fact that you know there's quite a few of the london guys and, and girls on the on the discord as well quite active is brilliant to see because it kind of brings the whole of the uk a little bit closer at a time when really the whole world is a bit closer because we're all suffering a shared shared madness oh yeah um it's it's actually mad right now the number of events that are going on you can basically do a different Keyforge tournament hosted in the UK every night of the week now. And I do know people who are doing that. Wow. Uh, so can, weirdly, unexpectedly, some people are playing much more Keyforge um, competitively than they did before the lockdown, <laughs> yeah. which is mad. Um, but it, it's kind of, it's all facilitated by um, people sharing that information and sharing their events. Uh, and that's something that I've been really keen um, to happen again. I've done uh, events that were hosted down in London, uh, sealed events now. Uh, I've done two uh, from Manchester. 
um, people are just like letting you do sealed and then they're posting the decks to you. Yeah, and that's a really good way of supporting your local game store as well. But in a way, it's even more accessible for people because they can just join online on an evening that maybe they'd commuted to work and they might get home and that maybe they're tired. Maybe they've got kind of kids to look after as well. They can maybe take a couple of hours and play a Keyforge tournament and have that have that enjoyment, but not necessarily at the, the kind of cost of having to, to go somewhere to play it. So definitely silver linings to uh, to the chaos we're living in at the moment. Yeah, it's it's not the same. I mean, I miss the table talk uh, and I miss like actively being there. But, uh, you know, um, to get yourself a drink, sit down, hop into a Discord channel with a few different people and just chat about the event as you're playing it, it is really nice. And it does. It is kind of keeping us all together. So having a Keyforge calendar is really great to keep awareness of people when to play, how to play, and where what they can expect from different things. But I hear you've been doing lots of different formats as well. So tell us a bit about those. Yeah, so uh, we've been changing it up every week with the Wednesday online tournament, uh, trying out different weird things and seeing what would happen. So uh, last week, every deck had to have a key cheat in it. So um, we try and do some stats afterwards. So we did have like a pie chart of which key cheat was most popular. We've had uh, a week where we did a, a sealed free deck World Collide solo. And we did that with Sky Jedi's Archon Matrix bot, uh, which was a lot of admin for me. But I think a lot of people really enjoyed it. Uh, we've done SAS Cats. Uh, I made up a format uh, one week. Uh, one week we just had a week where you'd make a sealed game on the Crucible Online and you'd have a different sealed deck every round. Oh, wow. And that was absolute chaos. Uh, but it was really <laughs> interesting. I don't know if we'd do it again, but it was but fun to try it. chaos is Keyforge. This is Keyforge. This encapsulates the game we play. I love it. And Kate, oh. uh, you, you kind of uh, blew past the part where you said you all played a, a format uh, or a variant you came up with. What, what was that? Oh, uh, so... Um, the format I came up with, I kind of christened it Archon Equalizer. So Ooh. everyone uh, could bring whatever deck they wanted. For every two SAS, uh, it gained one chain. And then whatever the matchup was, you'd play with the difference in chains. So if someone had 30 chains on a deck and someone had 35, the person with 35 would play with five chains. Um, wow. Like that. Um, and I get the, I've got like a spreadsheet. So I've got all of the decks that have participated, their places, SAS, ARC, houses. Um, so we kind of like draw a stats breakdown every week. Um, and the SAS level for that, it actually, the lower SAS rated decks did slightly better on average. Like there was a very slim kind of trend line that went from the lower left to the top right. It wasn't massive, but it did tend towards the decks that had higher SAS levels that had the more chains did worse on average. Um, so I probably got the balance of chains a little bit wrong, but it was interesting to try it. Wow. It sounds like a great idea. And all of these kind of formats where 
anyone can bring any deck and have a hope of it being competitive, such as adaptive, but maybe without that uh, prerequisite of knowing how to bid properly is it sounds like a great format and yeah potentially with a bit more a bit more tuning of of chains and sass could be could be a kind of contender for regular store tournaments i have learned from my own experience in adaptive that if most people are bringing strong decks and you bring a weak to middling deck uh you're likely just going to go one and one with the strong deck beating the other one and then the game really is in that chain bidding and who takes what deck at what amount of change. That's really, uh, sometimes those first two games are almost a foregone conclusion, um, depending, depending on the matchup. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that chain bidding, that is, it is subtle and strange and difficult to get a hold of. And fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Oh. Very fun. Yeah. Well, Kate, I, I look forward to trying out some of your, your concoctions in terms of formats over the coming weeks during the lockdown and yeah, using Liam's uh, Keyforge calendar as a bit of a guide to tell me what's going on. I know as well one of my local, local game stores, one of my favorite places to play, the Ludacrist, um in, in Croydon. It's got a, a great atmosphere normally and they went to the US and they won uh, the best LGS in the world, uh, an award for that. And then the following week, they came back and had to switch off the lights, which just kind of shows the the trauma for some of these people who really have poured all of their passion into this. So they've been one of the stores, I think, running these weekly events with, uh, we'll post you the deck. So anyone in the UK that is, uh, is, is keen for a bit of Keyforge, that one normally has a really great community as well. So yeah, lots, lots of things to keep us all busy. The Ludacris one's actually really good. I played in it last week. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kate, thank you so much for coming on. We've enjoyed getting to hear about what you're doing with that uh, the Northern UK community there. And I've got to say, I've definitely been inspired by a few of your ideas. So uh, if anybody's near North Georgia, once we get through this public health issue, uh, look out for a themed Keyforge party somewhere in North Georgia. So, uh, Ed and Kate, you will both will be, of course, invited, uh, however, not expected to come. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't think I'll be getting on a plane for a little while, Zach. <laughs> oh, indeed. So, yes, Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. We've really enjoyed having you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Oh, of course, of course. If you're enjoying Call of Discovery and are willing and able to support us monetarily, our Patreon is linked below where you can sign up and have access to our Patreon-only Discord. Uh, Either way, let us know what you'd like to see more of or less of in future shows, and you can do that by sending us a direct message on social media or emailing us at discoverkeyforge at gmail.com. Please leave a review and subscribe on your regular podcast app, but... Most importantly, if you think a friend would enjoy this podcast, please help them to discover it. Have you answered the call of discovery?
So if you've been enjoying Call of Discovery and <laughs> I should do this with it in front that of you. That is exactly how it goes, Zach. You've nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, just start singing. That's going after the credits. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <clears throat>